Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio. Former Missouri Governor Jay Nixon dove back into the political fray when he joined the group No Labels as their director of a ballot integrity project. It's caused a lot of controversy for the longtime Democratic official, to put it mildly. The best way to describe No Labels is a group of centrist political figures that push back against what they see as the extremes of the Republican and Democratic parties. They've openly discussed putting forth a so-called unity ticket next year if certain polling and viability thresholds are met. Needless to say, No Labels is causing a lot of alarm among Democrats. For instance, former Missouri Congressman Richard Gephardt is joining a group aiming to stop No Labels, contending that it could throw an election to former President Donald Trump. I ran for president twice. Nobody asked me to run for president. And nobody told me I couldn't run for president. That's not the way this works. It's a free country. Anybody can run for anything. In fact, we need good volunteers. But in this case, and it's only about Trump, this is a dangerous, risky thing for them to do. And we're hoping to be able to convince them not to do it. Earlier this week, I spoke with Nixon about his decision to join No Labels and what he plans to do with the group. Nixon, an attorney with the Dowd Bennett Law Firm, emphasized he's not being compensated for his work. Here's my conversation with Nixon. Can you just talk a little bit about what specifically you are going to do for the group No Labels? Well, I got in because of my concern about ballot access. When I saw what they were trying to do to provide citizens another opportunity, another option. Um, It was interesting, and I I followed it a little bit. But when I began to see these efforts to limit their ability for ballot access, making it much more difficult, litigation, things like that. And once again, I'm not doing the litigation, Jason. I'm not, I'm I'm an advisor here. I'm not uh, the the lawyer on this sort of of thing, although I do have some experience. It just, it, 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 it deeply, deeply, troubled me that we were in a situation in which you had folks working against the public's ability to get things on the ballot. Uh, that has been a vital, it's a pillar of democracy, especially in a state like Missouri, where, where you have minimum wage, Medicaid expansion, Hancock amendments, you got both sides play there uh, appropriately on that side. And I, I just, I don't want at a time in which our country is having extreme difficulties getting along, and the folks in D.C. are having extreme difficulties even talking to each other. Uh, I thought with my experience as, as being in a, in a world in which two-thirds of the opposite party were in the House and the Senate much of the time I was there, and, and we had moments of spark, sure, but, but we got the work done. And, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of great friends came from it that, that to limit that ability, that pillar of democracy of having the folks have the right to get it on, uh, that's what, that's what uh, inspired me to get involved in this, in this role. Is the best way to describe no labels, and I've read the website, um, so I, I want to just make sure that I'm getting it correct. It just seems sort of like a group of people who have generally defined themselves over their political careers as centrists or moderates 
trying to have a different type of voice compared to the two major parties. That's my observation. Is that kind of your observation as well as somebody who has had a moderate-ish career over the last 30 yeah, very years? Much. I, was, I was on the phone yesterday with Governor Larry Hogan, you know, and the, the day before that, I had a chance to talk to Chris Sununu. I mean, it wasn't about whether you're a Democrat or Republican. I mean, those, those are folks I know and we work together. I, uh, Manchin, I know, you know, I know all these folks. And and so I think uh, I think you've explained it pretty well. But I think it's also important to note that No Labels is not a political party. You know, they're they're trying to so so you some people are trying to say they're a political party, and that's not it. And that's important legally because uh, you know you, it it gives you a, a a much different place on it. But the point is, I think you nailed it pretty close there. I'm I'm comfortable with your analysis. So I think when you talk about some of the legal efforts to keep the possible presidential ticket, because there is no presidential ticket. And we're going to talk about in a second, there may not be a presidential ticket. When I read about what was happening in Arizona, it had to do with the fact that No Labels, I assume, is a politically active nonprofit and they're not disclosing their donors. Now, you mentioned the fact that No Labels is not a political party. So I guess your argument would be they don't have to do the campaign disclosure similar to the Republican or Democrats. I'd like they you to clearly talk. don't. Yeah. I mean, the, the Unity 08 uh, uh, case, and, and we can get you all, I can get you all the law stuff. The bottom line said uh, Unity 08, which was a similar type of thing that happened in 08 in the lawsuit in Alabama, the court said they're not subject to regulation as a political committee unless and until it selects a quote, clearly identified candidate. And so we're we haven't identified. We're just trying to get ballot slots, get get on the ballot. Uh, then you also double down with the 1958 U.S. Supreme Court decision on the NAACP against Alabama, in which the, even the names don't have to be made public in the in these situations. Um, so I, I, folks are certainly, if they want to talk about that sort of stuff, they can. But it 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 that has not been my focus at, at all, and I think the law is exceptionally clear and really unquestioned in this area for those two things. If no labels decides to field a presidential candidate, that's when the donors will have to be disclosed because they're going to be running a campaign similar to Biden or Trump or Buttigieg or you know anybody else. Is that basically yeah, anybody what you're that's running a political campaign? Like you say, whatever you. Whoever you want to say has got to do that. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not just no labels. It's. 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 It's everybody. And I think that's a, appropriate because you've got any number of groups uh, on all sorts of stuff, especially at the state level. The other thing here, Jason, is much of the law we're dealing with here ends up being state laws uh, because you have to get on fifty separate ballots, and so uh, it gets especially interesting also at the state level. But yeah, you're. You're. You've got this figured. That part of it figured out. Um. So. I have, I'll be candid with you. I talked with Richard Gephardt yesterday. Um, he Good. didn't, he, he actually did not criticize you for doing what you're doing. He said some nice things about you. He said like, oh yeah, you know, he used to live in my congressional district because, you know, he did include Jeff Coe in the third district. But you, you probably have heard what he has said. He says that possibly fielding a presidential candidate will hand the election to Trump and he thinks it's irresponsible. I'd like you to respond to that sort of argument. Well, first of all, Dick is a good friend, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, our great relationship for many years, and 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 he and Jane, have, 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 he's, he's a great public servant. And yes, in 1980, when they were redistricting the Jefferson County, 
Uh, I was deeply involved in Young Voters for for uh, for Dick Gephardt and proud that we, uh, I called him on election night. We carried Jefferson County more than he carried his old place in South St. Louis County that night too. If you look, go back in those numbers. Um, the uh, so, so he's a good friend. Everybody's entitled to their opinions, but I don't think people should be entitled to raise money and do things to prevent people who have their constitutional and statutory rights to put things on the ballot. I just, I, I just am not there. Uh, and and my clear sense of, of one portion uh, of those efforts, not just Dick, but that the group that's working on that is to make it much more difficult for no labels to get its constitutional and statutory duty completed, which is to provide the citizens another ballot line for president in, a num in, the, in other states. So having read a lot of coverage about no labels, they have not committed to putting a presidential ticket on the ballot. Like, for example, if Trump or Biden aren't the nominees or, or also if they realize they can't win is another possibility. They have not they have not said that they are absolutely putting something on the ballot. Um, I want you to kind of talk about that, because I think that that is a good counterpoint to people who are raising alarms about this, that there are some checks and balances here to maybe allay some some concerns, essentially. Absolutely. What you've said is correct. And that's why this this the season we are in, while politically everybody is talking about what's going to happen in November of 24, November of 24 is a long time from August 1 of 23. Uh, and and things will happen and, and an election will happen and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. This is the section and the time of this effort to do the hard work of democracy, go out and qualify to be on various state ballots. The What happens later is an entirely separate lane uh, that I'm sure everybody will have opinions about. And once again, I, I people have got to, if they want to say bad things, that's fine. It's a free country. But I just don't believe that significant energy should be spent to limit and attempt to limit by, by action or litigation um, the ability of our citizens, especially when you have the divisions we have in this country right now, and, and a Congress which is which is fighting every day, an executive. I mean, they're they're. Uh, it's uh, you don't have to look very far to realize things aren't going that smoothly. And uh, uh, so I think that uh, understanding the season we are in here, which is getting on the ballot and separating that from if that occurs, how the choice is made, who the people are how that would be run, that that's that's decisions and actions that will occur down the line. Now, I understand why someone like Larry Hogan, the former governor of Maryland, would not want to support the Republican Party ticket if Trump is the nominee. Like he's been very clear that he thinks Trump is terrible. He doesn't want him to be elected again. He thinks he's bad for the country. I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is what is the argument amongst Democrats like you that say Joe Biden's not acceptable, given that he has unquestionably been able to accomplish a lot under really difficult circumstances. Um, once again, I'm not here to criticize uh, President Biden. That's not what. That's not my job here. It's just a very good question. It's a very, and, and I'm not trying to blow off, blow you off in any way, shape, or form about that. That's an appropriate uh, question. Other, than, but that is not what I'm working on. I'm, I'm working on making sure we get ballot access and 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 get that that choice. And when I saw folks being constrained in that effort and potential litigation and all of that, uh, knowing how time really matters too, Jason. I mean, you've been you you have seen and we've all seen time after time where delay 
affects these elections. I thought now to lay these issues out and to begin a cohesive theory to make sure that uh, these rights to get on the ballot are protected uh, was important. I don't in any, uh, so no, there has been no candidate chosen, uh, but I'm a good Democrat and, and I, I'm not here to criticize President Biden on the work he's done or the things he's accomplished or hasn't accomplished. I want to talk more about the general idea of third parties, because I follow, I'm i a big history buff. I know you're a big history buff, too. And I, I, I have followed third party candidacies throughout the entire history of this country. And I think the most successful one was 1912, when Theodore Roosevelt ran as the Bull Moose candidate, which effectively handed the election to, to Woodrow Wilson. It should have been Champ Clark, by the way, as as both of us know. But we, we William Jennings Bryant screwed screwed him over there. It's very important to Missourians here what he just said. That's we're getting into a Missouri political value there that Jason touched. Yes, I I couldn't talk about 1912 without throwing in Champ Clark. But my point is, like third party candidacies have generally not been very successful. Why do you think this effort is attractive enough for you to get involved with it, given that track record? Well, this is not a usual time in American politics um, in that sense. I mean, I understand historically we've had all sorts of stuff, especially some of the things in Reconstruct after Reconstruction, which were even more uh, dramatic vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Electoral College uh, than this sort of stuff. I also think of, you know, Eugene Debs, also uh, not only just Wilson, but other other presidents um, that that have Clinton, quite frankly, was on the ballot when when we were. And you saw uh, Ross Perot, Missouri was the number two state in the country as far as Ross Perot votes. Um, so I, I think that we need to get along. People used to say, I, I think the key to a successful democracy from elected officials is not the ability to agree, but the ability to disagree. And these days, for a myriad of reasons, the hyperpartisanship, the, the resources that attack people for taking positions, uh, it's, it, we're not getting action from our government, especially in D.C., that reflects the needs and the issues of our country. And I just couldn't sit idly by yet again. Uh, and I'm not idly by. I mean, I'm practicing law and teaching at Washington Law School and that sort of stuff. But I just couldn't step stay out of this one if they were taking what I consider the egregious overstep to go to a system that continues to allow that with the insurance policy and the, and the check boxes it'll be later to protect from something you know bad happening if in this situation i i just i i don't think you know i'm a little older than you but you're a good historian and i'm not saying that this is the this is oh my gosh the worst time america's ever had but i do think politically we are extremely gummed up and the and the limitation on public officials ability to talk about issues has been so constrained by, by the, 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 the hard pushers on each side. And then you see the success of, of the, uh, uh, of, of the, the uh, various um, you know, groups in Congress that have made progress. Um, you know, the, uh, the what's, what's that group, what the, they call the that The Problem group? Solvers. Yeah, the Problem Solvers Caucus is a, is a you know, a very, that's a good example. Uh, and I've been on some calls with those folks to, to listen and see what they say and, and see how that works. And it's just, it's, that's the only place I'm seeing where people are talking together and getting in rooms 
and disagreeing, but agreeing if they come out, if they can agree to something that'll move the country forward, they will. And I thought that the support of no labels, uh, at least uh, moral support around that and, and the uh, helping that move forward was a good example of what could be done. And since they had a track record of being involved in that and had a, a credibility, I thought now is the time uh, for me to get involved to make sure that they have the legal and constitutional avenue open for them to move forward. So I mentioned that Dick Gephardt was, uh, you know, fairly kind to you. You, I don't know how often you subject yourself to social media, but other Democrats have not been kind about you joining No Labels. They've been pretty, uh, I would say, pretty vicious in in attacking you. And I know you have very thick skin after a 30-year career, but you mentioned yourself, you didn't have to do this. You've been out of electoral politics since 2017. So do you think that you getting involved is worth, you know, subjecting yourself to potentially really fierce criticism about you getting involved with with no labels? I, I can't say this any clearer than this is not about me. And if people want to say, I mean, Jason, that's it. From, from my perspective, this is not about me. I, and I can skip reading my Twitter, the comments on my Twitter account for a couple of weeks. That's not a problem. Um, and, and that's one of the things. When you get these harsh comments, that's the new dialogue. And it's really hard to find progress if you have sat around on your phone and tweeted out or commented out that the other person is just the worst thing since, since ever. Uh, it's really hard then to make an agreement with them, you know. I, and so that uh, that that hyper uh, hostility uh, on on social media, I think, is uh, a almost necessary for some of these politicians in order to keep their quote base in control. This whole base thing is a relatively new invention. Also, I should note uh, in, in my world, I got a lot of votes, and I, I I never called any of my supporters base. They were human beings. They were individuals. They were people. Uh, and, and, and this, this, what has happened and not so much you, Jason, it's one of the reasons I, I so appreciate listening to you, uh, is that the coverage and the action in politics has become like a, a sporting event. Like who's going to win? What are the odds? Uh, what's happening here? Everything is analyzed through a political lens, not everything. A vast majority of things are, are through a political lens as opposed to through a policy lens. And as you know from covering me for many years, that's the zone I work in. I worked in trying to, to move the policy things forward, and I'm extremely proud of a lot of things that, that, that we got done. You can read and listen to more of St. Louis Public Radio's coverage of the 2024 election cycle by going to stlpr.org. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East, we put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. 
Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts.